So good morning, AWC. You guys look so good. Uh, really quick, don't they look lovely? So uh, we asked them to, um, to share a little bit. We're in our family series, and you're going to be hearing from a bunch of different voices in the next uh, month or two. The reason why this sermon series time is so important is because for many of us in the room, well, almost every single one of us in the room, there's some shaky ground when it comes to family. Each and every one of us, nobody's marriage in here is perfect. Nobody's family relationship in here is perfect. Nobody's uh, situation at the house is perfect. And everybody said, so what we like to do is we like to do an intentional lean-in because the kingdom doesn't need more pastors. It needs more stronger marriages. The kingdom doesn't need more ministers. They need more strong families. So this time is going to be a little bit rough and tumble, but this is the thing. I want you to write this down. And this is like, I want you to write this on the tablet of your heart. Somebody say, God wants me and my family to win in this season. So can you guys lift it up a little bit just for the Thomases really quick? Cool? All right. Ambassadors Worship Center. We are thankful to be up here. We are Kevin and Denise Thomas. We've been in this church for many years. And before we get started, we just want to give thanks to our pastors, Pastor Martin, Pastor Linnell, Pastor Josh, and their families. Thank you for the many years that, that uh, we've been here to receive your encouragement, your wisdom, your teaching. And it's changed us. We were married in this, not in this building, but we were married in this church many, many years ago. Yeah, he, they, they could have, you know, nixed the whole deal for me because she was already going here and I, I was a newbie. So I, I, I just met them, but they, they could have put the kibosh on it for me. But uh, thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Anyway, um, we're here to talk about family series, and we, wanna, we just want to share a few minutes of AWC's commitment to years of teaching about family, and we're going to tell you a little bit how it's affected us and what we've seen in a few others. And Denise is going to start us off here. I don't know where the button is. You're good. Okay. We're, we're the appetizer. We're the appetizer. <laughs> so think of, think of a good appetizer, because that's what we are. Um, it matters who your man and woman of God are. I don't know why I'm starting to cry, so I need to relax here. But um, if you don't think it matters, think again. And I am telling you, that's why I'm here. That's why we're here. Um, each one of our families is like a fingerprint. We are all unique. None of our families look alike. There is no such thing as the American family. 
because your dynamic and our dynamic and their dynamic and their dynamic and their dynamic and all of y'all's dynamic is different. Your history is different. What brought you together, what keeps you together, what you're dealing with every single day is different. So why do we look at others and envy with jealous eyes instead of looking at others and trying to figure out, oh, I like that. How did they get to that place? What can we do to implement something new so that our outcome will look different? That's what Family Series is, people. It is our pastors, our our body's commitment to taking a deep dive into what we're all made up of so that we individually and collectively can look in the mirror and say, you know what? This isn't working. What do we need to do to change that so that our outcome will look different, so that our outcome will reflect God's kingdom? It matters who your man and woman of God are. And when I was way back in the day, uh, I went through divorce. My dad was 61 years old when he passed away. He got a heart transplant, died of the anti-rejection medicine, kind of built up a cancer in him. And anyway, I mean, I went through trauma in 12 months in my life. So then I was a single mom, two kids, and I was wandering. I'd grown up in one church all my life, and I was wandering, looking around, and it took me years. I wish I could say it only took me a few months, but it took me years. When I finally settled in to sit under the authority of Pastor Martin and Pastor Linnell, it changed my life. And I, I can't tell you exactly the day and time. I can't tell you one day my life was like this, the next day it was like this, because there's no magic wand. But sitting under teaching, applying, and walking forward every single day, that's when the change comes. You know... I'm doing a study this year of the, it's called Kingdom Divided, about Israel and Judah. And so we're in Kings and Chronicles, which to some of you looks like paint drying, I'm sure. You're thrilled about that. But I'm really learning a lot. Because our generation is impacted not only by what's gone before us, but by what we are intentionally doing right now. And as we go forward, just like those kings, it says, was a wicked king and he died. Was a wicked king and he died. You know, had a son. He was a wicked king. He died. And then you've got a bright light. Somebody that said, oh, I'm going to tear down those idols. I'm going to, what my father built up, I'm not doing it that way. I'm going to do it this way. And they made a step. Family series is that step. 
When I think of the topics that Family Series has covered over the years, I mean, we've, t- we've covered husband and wife, marriage, communication, finances. We've also covered single families. We've covered, I think Pastor Linnell had when church girls go crazy last year or something. I mean, think about that. Uh, you know, we've had men's panels. We've had women's panels. We've talked to the teenagers, the youth, the young adults. We've talked to the seniors. Because, like I said, every single one of our families has its own fingerprint. Yours does, mine does. When, when I was here, I, you know, I wish I could say, oh, yeah, you know, my life was instantly wonderful. Well, I went through lots of things because I still had crazy thinking. I still have crazy thinking a lot of times. Um, but... When I met Kevin, I knew a couple of things. First of all, I wasn't ever going to be divorced again. Amen. And, you know, I know that we've all been there. So you have the, well, what if? We took the what if out because that's what pastors modeled. Family series is pastor, pastors, and Pastor Josh, too. If you've been here for longer than uh, uh, two weeks, you know, he lays it out naked and bare all over the place. And then we're mopping up what he's laid out there because it's like, how do I handle that? Pastor Martin and Linnell are the same way. Everything they live, they open to us. Because we exist so people can pursue and experience life in the kingdom. When, when someone is vulnerable enough to open up what they've done wrong or what hasn't worked for them, and say, this is how, this, these are the steps that we actually took so that we can have a better result. That makes me want to sit up and listen. And we have had, over the years, so many, lots of you and other people that have come up here and shared their heart with us, shared their personal lives with us so that we can all grow and that we come closer to what God's plan is for us here. Um, I remember, well, we had the Family Forever series in 21. Pastor said, whatever condition your family is in, we want them to be blessed. Whatever condition your family is in, we want them to be blessed. Get the word in us so it can come out of us, and he will go forth. He talked about progress over perfection. I think we can all recognize areas in our life as individuals and as families where we need to get a grip and quit quit lying to ourselves that, oh, it's all just going to be fine, and actually put some intentional work to changing our patterns. So that's my, 
That's my Ritz cracker and cheese right there. <laughs> Can I tell you something? Choices do matter. If you marry a good thing, it makes a difference in your life. Choose wisely. This is what I'm married to. This is not a, this is not a front. This wasn't just preparation. This is, this is a woman who lives this. And uh, I'm fortunate to, to live the dream in my marriage. But what I want to say is that Denise and I have chosen to put our, our feet, our footings in this church. It's, it's the foundation for our life. It has whoever we are today, it's primarily because of the teaching that we have received here. And we were receiving from these two many years ago when they were about that age, that age. And like Denise said, if you've been here very long, you've even seen this guy change as well as them in a great and good way. There was a time when we were talking about transition and I was sitting in the purple chairs going, I wonder how Pastor Josh is really built. And he, like me, when I was young, and, and I still make a lot of mistakes, but I don't make the, state, the same mistakes now that I did when I was young. He's made his share of mistakes, as Pastor Mar and Pastor Linnell made when they were young pastors trying to navigate through this. My point is, get stuck in this thing because you can grow with this church just like we have grown with this church. You can, you can navigate through transition and be a, a part of being a help for it, a help for it so that our families that come here do stay strong. Denise and I have been fortunate to talk uh, to couples about pre-marriage, courting, uh, even couples that have had challenges in their marriage. And family is really very, very similar. Family takes work just like marriage. The principles are the same. It takes good communication. It takes vision. It takes uh, navigating through uh, conflict. Can you get through an argument with your family, with your wife? Do you have to win every time? And if you think you have to win every time, you're probably not uh, receiving the wisdom that your partner has. If you think you know everything, you surely don't. So, uh, again, we, we've just uh, enjoyed many, many years being at AWC. Um, it's the foundation of our life. When we started coming here, we had a different set of friends. You know that today most of our friends are in these seats. It has, it's changed us what, in, in a way that I think is very good. I also want to thank our pastors. They come up here every Sunday and open their lives to us. They tell us about their successes. They tell us about their failures, their challenges. Not everybody will do that. That's hard for me to do. And I'm just thankful because we have learned so much as a family for that, that uh, sharing and that privilege from you folks. Um, there's, there's, a few, there's a few nuggets that I just 
wrote down from uh, years past. And I think, of, I think of people that have been here sharing like, like the Mades, the Lees, the Tyrances, like Henry and Rosa Hill. When you think about, if you've been here a, a length of time, there have been people that have shared their lives and their wisdom with us. And when pastors, like for your covenant care people, when, when they say, contact your covenant care person, that's not just, uh, oh, let's just go to the default system. There are things in place that people reach out, people that have been chosen by Pastor Josh, by Pastor Linnell, by Pastor Martin, by our office staff, that they are here for a reason to help uh, all of us through those places that are tough places. And we don't always know what those are going to be, but when we're in them, and we're going, ah, help. Those, that's a really serious time to reach out. And yet, there are a lot of us, as we've seen, because we are not professional counselors, but we've sat down with a lot of folks uh, here in at our home that the pastors have asked us to meet with. And as we're listening, it's always surprising, not always, I shouldn't say always, but it's surprising to me how many times, um, if people would back up one month, two months, six months, and have started talking about things at the beginning of a rift, at the beginning of a problem, how much simpler it would be to address that problem, um, thus family series. <laughs> Because sometimes, you know, you're in the midst of it, and, and the walls are falling in, and then they bring up a topic, and it's like, yeah, we need that. And it's like, yeah, well, you needed that six months ago, or <laughs> you needed that three years ago, you know, so let's see what we can do to try and rebuild this thing. Because the way we talk to our kids, the way we represent the Lord in our relationships, in our home, and with our extended family... Those things have eternal impact. You know, God's word isn't a suggestion. So at the, at the very core, we each need to decide, is this true or not? Because if you're going to use it like Burger King and you think you can have it your way, I've got news for you, you can't. You might be able to sustain that for a little while, but you can't sustain that forever. God's word is true. And once you decide that in your heart, that, I, that I'm going to take that word and put it over me, then here we have family series that takes that word and puts it in practical, practical words for us to live by, for us to improve by. And... Um, so a couple things that I had written down from a few years ago. Uh, in Psalms, it says, uh, One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. Pastor, I think this was Pastor Martin, said, My family is eternal. 
There is a lineage in my family behind and forward. He said generations and then generations. I mean, we, yeah, we've got some stuff in us that we inherited from who our parents are and who our grandparents are. But that doesn't mean we have to live exactly like they did either. You know, just like I said, those kings over in Judah, in Israel, when the kingdom was divided, they were, there were some kings that tore down idols their, their fathers had built. And they directed the nation back to the heart of God. That's our job. That's our job in our home, to direct our nation back to the heart of God. I, it's... it's it's what we must do. Yeah, we've got to get groceries. We've got to fill the gas up. We need to go vote. We've got kids that have a detention at school. Somebody's got a temperature. Oh, who's having Thanksgiving this year? I know all this noise, 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 noise. But the fact of the matter is the heart of God in our home is where it all lands. And if that's not right, if you don't have that right in your home, then everything else crumbles beyond that because we start to think all those other schedules and appointments and all of that are more important than God's word directing us, God's word directing our heart. God's favor and blessing flow as we seek him with our whole heart. To add to that, and, and to go back to what Denise said earlier, she said each family is unique. And I think uh, family, like I said earlier, is similar to marriage. You know, God is telling us when we get married to leave and cleave. And I think it's similar in family. Uh, when we create our families, we can get mentorship from here and there and there and there. And that's great and good. But when we bring all that information in, back into our family, we're creating our own unique little family. And it, it takes a lot of work and a lot of conversation to, to get it so it works in our family. And what works in our family might not work in your family. It's, it's going to be different than Jessica and Wayne's family. Um, but it doesn't mean it's wrong. It doesn't mean it's a failure. It just means it's different. There's different ways to work through this. So as Denise said, as you're looking at other families, uh, don't compare yourself to them. Do what you can do well. I remember when I was learning about sales in my business, and they, they told me to, you know, at that time, listen to cassette tapes. Some of you probably don't even know what a cassette tape is. <laughs> listen to cassette tapes and read books. And, but, but the, the underlying uh, thing here was to take what you can from it, and even though you might not be able to take the advice and do exactly as they say, take what you can, put it into play for yourself, and see how it develops for you, and you'll, you'll find your sweet spot in this. So that's what we have to do in our families. Take your family and make it the best family that you can with uh, the information that you have, and your know-how. I think we're about done. Thank you for the opportunity. Again, get planted into this church. Set your feet into the concrete and foundation of this church. Volunteer, serve, and 
just like uh, financial tithing and offerings, the, the payback will amaze you. It will amaze you. Thank you, AWC. Thank you to our pastors. Look at your neighbor and say, let's eat. Nehemiah 4, 1 through 3. I wasn't, I didn't teach last week. I'm ready to teach the word of God. Is that all right? So this entire sermon series, we're going to use the word. Somebody say, use the word. Somebody say, use the word. Somebody say, use the word. Because this is the most important thing that you will ever eat in your entire life. Everything else is a supplement. Nehemiah 4, 1 through 3, it says, Sambalat was very angry when he learned that we were rebuilding the wall. Somebody say, we. Somebody say, we. Somebody shout out, we. We were built rebuilding the wall. This is the time and a season when it comes to building your family, you shouldn't be the only one that sees that as importance. Family has to be rebuilt by somebody say, we. It can't just be one person that's dragging the entire family around because what will happen is, is that you will use your energy trying to get people excited about something that they should already be excited about something. Now, I just need about 10 families here in the room that are excited about what God is building in their lives. I just need 10 of you. I just need 10. Okay. All right. Okay. Somebody say, we were rebuilding the wall. He flew into a rage and mocked the Jews, saying in front of his friends and the Sumerian army officers, what does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews think they're doing? Do they think that they can build the wall in a single day by just offering a few sacrifices? Read this part with me. Do they actually think they can make something of stones from a rubbish heap and a charred ones at that? Tobiah the Ammonite and the termites and the Jebusites and the big butt mites. Like there's a bunch of ites in the Bible, but we just need to stay focused. <laughs> Tobiah the Ammonite who was standing beside him remarked, that stone wall would collapse if what? Even a... Fox walked along the top of it. Today, what I understand by sitting in this room is that there are some of us with families that are extreme. We feel that we're extremely strong. We can walk through certain things and we can be unscathed. But then there are some people here in this room that you might think that your family is hanging on by a thread. You might think that your family is like the walls that we're talking about in Nehemiah, where it seems like everywhere that you've looked at, you thought your finances are okay and it's a, it's a heap of rubble. You look at your marriage, you think it's a heap of rubble. You look at your children, it's a heap of rubble. You look at your finances, in a heap of rubble. But the coolest thing about the book of Nehemiah is that God was able to use one man to excite a group of people to use what other people call trash to create another kingdom. So this sermon series is all about your family not just being able to be, but actually functioning correctly. I want you to write this point down. It's not even in my notes. But the most important thing that God ever made was the family. Not trees not animals, not even the law of the Bible. Like, like the law was necessary for us to be able to be fruitful. But what God originally wanted when he created man was this thing called family. He wanted relationship. So if you're winning in family and the other places in your life are not working, God wants you to know that you're actually winning. And just like the Thomas has said before, God creates a different set of rules for each family because guess what? We're all different. So if we expect to play by the same rules as every other family that we see, guess what? You'll be losing at a game that wasn't meant for you. And many of us are doing that even now. We expect to live at a level that other people are called to. Then we get frustrated when we don't feel as good when we achieve it. Look at your neighbor and say, that's not yours, baby. 
That's not your level, baby. Like, you got to be happy about what's happening in the crib before we take you to another house. Because if you're not interested in what's happening here at 301, I'm not taking you over at 302. Because if you don't like what we're doing here at this house, then $100 will get you excited. And you'll forget about the million-dollar dream that God has for us in the next 50 years. Somebody say, keep it at the house. Stay in the house. I know your friends got a Lamborghini. That's cool. But do you know what we're building? I know your friends just went to Bora Bora. That's great. But do you know what we're building? Look at your neighbor and say, do you know what we're building? Because if you don't have understanding of what you're building, you'll leave your Legos and go play with somebody else's. I want you to teach to the person next to you my title for this morning. Look at your neighbor and say, we're going to fix this thing. Oh, we ain't going to abandon this family. I'm not going to leave this marriage to be in another one. Pastor Joshua already have. It's okay. There's grace and there's mercy. But if we're going to follow the structure of how the Bible works, if we're going to follow the function of the Bible, we have to understand that there is an addition problem that happens in the kingdom. You plus God equals healing. Well, Pastor Joshua, I'm divorced. You plus God equals healing. Well, Pastor Joshua, I don't even know if I'm attracted to men or women. Hey, 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 hey. You Plus God equals healing. Because the, the message of the kingdom has nothing to do with perfection. It has everything to do with progression. God's not so much worried about you making it. I think he's more so interested, are you willing to take the step after the last one hurt? And I just need to know two people by standing up on your feet. Pastor Joshua, in this series, my family's getting together. In this series, my marriage is getting together. In this series, I don't care where my children are at, but I'm going to call them back to the spirit. God, like this year, we're getting pregnant. This year, we're going to get this thing. Somebody said, we're going to get this thing. Oh, yeah, it's time to fix it. Now, for many of you, you might be asking, Pastor Joshua, how do you have so much energy? Well, this time yesterday, our feet were in the sand as a family. <laughs> we took a family vacation, and we were supposed to be here yesterday. But we ended up spending the night in the airport. And <laughs> when I tell you, God must, must want this series to happen for real. Because they kept pushing our time back. You're going to leave at 11 p.m. You're going to leave at 12 p.m. Then they said, you leaving tomorrow. And I said, excuse me? <laughs> I said, there's a couple hundred people that have to hear what the God has to say tomorrow. I, I can't, I got to be at the house. And as we were sitting there, I don't know if you guys have ever been frustrated, but the easiest way to get frustrated with your family is actually going on vacation. Oh, y'all laughing. Okay. You want to know another way that you get frustrated with your family? The holiday season. Guess what? It's right around the corner. But while we were together on the beach, we weren't just eating jerk chicken and having lobster. We were fixing some stuff in our family. Uh, you missed it. We, we were fixing some stuff. Like, yes, we can't take Jamaica with us. Ah, I'm sorry. We can't take the water, the sand, the conch fritters. We can't take this home with us. So how do we make this happen when we get back to the crib? And for many of us, we try to escape our family by going somewhere that's sunny. Then we are frustrated when we come back and it's no longer 85 degrees there. But what God wants in each and every one of us in our families is that it doesn't have to be 85 degrees in Omaha because it's 85 degrees right here in my heart. When I start to think about my family, I get warm. And this is where the enemy kills us. It's because if he can get you to think bad about your family, he doesn't have to destroy it. If he can get you to start thinking bad about your husband, he doesn't have to give you divorce. You'll come up with, with it by yourself. If he can get you to become deceiving in your family, the sisters will never reconcile, the brothers will never reconcile, and once mom and dad are dead, the fortune will be split up, except for people coming together and keeping it all together. So how you think about your family is more important than how you function with them. Because there's a bunch of people that are functioning on the outside, but there's cancer at the house.
Y'all wish I was still at the airport, don't you? Somebody said we're going to fix this. So Sam Bollett is a, he's a, he's from the tribe of Judah. But at this point in time, the 12 tribes, how many of you guys know about the 12 tribes of, of the Bible, right? 12 twi- tribes have been scattered. They're all over the place. God created confusion amongst the 12 tribes because he didn't want to waste his time with people that didn't want to follow him. Many different times in our families, the reason why there's confusion isn't because the enemy's hand is on your family. It's because God has to allow you to fix it before he gives you what you could potentially mess up. Like, y'all got to be together before I give you this cure. Because if you're confused, you'll take a part of the cure and then you'll try to sell it. But freely you have been given, so freely you should. So Sam Ballot's frustrated because this man named Nehemiah has now rallied an entire generation of people to rebuild the walls of the city that the king had destroyed. Well, Pastor Joshua, why did they destroy the walls of the city? Because before you destroy water, before you destroy somebody's food supply, if I can tear down what you see as stability, I've got everything. So we can have people sitting in the purple seat who look absolutely beautiful and immaculate, but their house has no walls. Your children can do anything that they want. We have people in the church that are married, but they live separately, meaning like they do what they want to, and they, the only thing they share in common is sleeping in the same room. And then we can question, why does the church seem like it's just being so destroyed? It's because the church has lost its walls. And instead of picking up the pieces, we walk over them because it's so much easier to walk over problems than to put your hands on stuff that seems like it doesn't work. So this sermon series is so important because in order for your family to function, you have to find your fit. Now, I know that's backwards because most of the time we try to figure out how to tell people where they fit. Well, what you need to do and what you need to do. You know, it's going to happen at Thanksgiving and Christmas. Well, if you would have, then daddy wouldn't have. It's just like daddy hasn't been here for 10 years. Why are we still arguing about stuff? That ha- we're 60. That happened when we were 12. Like, we don't, I don't even remember the details of what happened. Maybe I stole a fork. I know I stole your last ho-ho or your ding-dong. Like, let's go buy a 12-pack and get over this. But we can begin to hold grudges against the people that we're actually, used, we're actually supposed to use the strength to build with. And if the enemy can get you to fight with the people that you're supposed to build with, then all of your potential is gone. So before this time, we find this man named Nehemiah. Does anybody know who Nehemiah is? Now, before I started reading this part, Miss Jessica, I was confused about Nehemiah. I thought Nehemiah was great and mighty. I thought that he was mighty in stature. But the only great thing about Nehemiah was his mouthpiece. He wasn't strong. He wasn't six foot seven. He wasn't chiseled. Like, he wasn't cock diesel. He wasn't, you know, he didn't look the rock. You know what I'm saying? Like, he, he was able to use his words to communicate to God and then communicate to people. The word of God says that Nehemiah was serving a king, and at the time, he was the king's cupbearer. Now, do you know what that means? That means that anything that the king would ever eat or drink, Nehemiah was the first person to eat or drink of it. Now, you might be asking why. Well, remember what I said about earlier? You don't have to destroy everybody in the nation. If you can kill the king, you got everything. So Nehemiah would literally be the first one to drink from his cup and to eat from his plate because he realized something. I'm connected by God. So whatever is in this plate is not going to kill me. There is some stuff that you've walked through that actually was poisonous. And people are confused on how your family is still standing up. But they don't understand the God that you serve. <laughs> like, yes, it's poison, but it doesn't matter. The word of God says, even if I make my bed in hell, if I make my bed at the bottom of the ocean, my God will somebody say, cover me. So that's the reason why your family is still making it. It's not because you're cute. 
It's not because you're anointed. It's not because God loves you more than another person. No, it's because God understands one thing. I can't do what I need to do in the earth without your family. So I'm going to allow some stuff to walk through your life, but I'm not going to allow you to die in it. Somebody praise God for that. I'm glad I didn't die in what God allowed me to walk. I need two people. Like, you should have died in this last season. It should have taken your family out. It should have taken your marriage out. But somebody say, but God. Somebody say, but God. There are some marriages in this room. I don't know you all specifically, but y'all should not be married right now. There are some folks in this room, you got divorce papers at the crib, and you've been thinking about it for months, but God. When will we begin to lean more on God's strength and our ability? Y'all said that's good. That's a real question. Somebody said, message. While Nehemiah is serving this king, he gets a word that in his homeland of Jerusalem, that the people are in disarray. Since the walls have been destroyed, they haven't been rebuilt for hundreds of years. Somebody say hundreds of years. For many of us, that's what our families look like. You don't understand why you're dealing with something now, but if we actually peel back the layers of your family, this is actually a hundred-year-old issue. You're not the first one to deal with this. Your granddaddy and your great-granddaddy and your great-great-great-great-granddad, like, like they've been dealing with this forever. Look at your neighbor and say, it's just your turn now. He hears word that the walls have been destroyed. The people who have returned to Jerusalem after being scattered out have lost hope and confidence. Nehemiah begins to feel this huge burden but he feels this burden to go and rebuild the walls, but he's in slavery to the king, and he has to taste his food. Nehemiah ends up talking to the king, and he, ex- he ex- explains to him, he says, hey, I know that I'm in slavery to you, and I was talking to my dad about this, and he, he helped me out because I thought that Nehemiah just left. No, Nehemiah understood I have to do things with integrity, and if I leave without you telling me, that's going to give you a right to come back and not just kill me, but kill everybody. So Nehemiah waited until he was released. Nehemiah waits until he's released, and when he does this, the king was the one that destroyed the walls in the first place. Please stay with me. The king that Nehemiah is serving was the one that destroyed the walls that he was sent to go rebuild. How much time do we waste biting the hand that feeds us and not fixing the problem? Okay, I'm a, it's the government's problem, but you still have an addiction problem in the house. So are you going to wait for the government to get things in order? Before you do what you need to do at the house, oh, y'all don't want to talk. It's okay. I'm home now. I'm, I'm on my second win. I haven't slept in the last 48 hours, so you can get all of this. It's the education system's problem. But you can get a tutor for $100 a month. Well, my kid doesn't need a tutor. So, so it's just like, so you're going to wait for the entire education system to get it together. And little Johnny's still going to fail in math because of your ignorance? So Nehemiah realizes, I can, I, fighting the king would be nothing. What's more important? building these walls. The most important thing that you will ever do in your life is fix the issues in your family. I wish I could make it more simple. 10 people should have ran around the building. We should have been able to quit today. But you want to hear a a story about grace and mercy. But every issue that you have in your life has to deal with the stuff that we don't want to fix in our families. And I'm going to be naked and open and honest with you. Because there's some stuff that Joshua brings to the Williams family that if he fixed it, they wouldn't have to walk through it. Can I be that serious? Every issue that you're walking through doesn't just come up from generations. Some of the stuff is new because Joshua introduced it. I only need two people I need to talk to because somebody's family is going to get free because every sermon is going to be the same. So Nehemiah doesn't bite the hand that feeds him, which he's justified in doing so. You destroyed these walls that have a burden to go fix. 
but I can't use this energy to fight you when I should be using it to go to where I'm supposed to go. The king finds favor with Nehemiah. Ah, I'm in there now. The king finds favor with Nehemiah. And what he does is he gives Nehemiah two things. He gives him money for the trip. Time out. The king that destroyed everything that you're about to go rebuild now has favor on you and gives you bread to go back to the area that he destroyed? Then the second thing that the king gives him, I like teaching this, this is storytelling thing. So you get the word. The second thing, somebody say the second thing. The second thing that Nehemiah gets from the king is resources to build the wall. When I was doing some study, the question is, how did the king have the resources for Nehemiah to build the wall? At this point in time, to rebuild the wall, you couldn't use any type of materials. You had to use the original materials that were in the wall before you broke it down. So what kings would do at this time when they would destroy walls is they would take away specific pieces of the wall so that the people could never figure it out and never rebuild it. There's some stuff in your life. You're questioning, where is this piece at? The cornerstone of our family, where is it at? I want to let you know it's not lost, but the enemy has it. And I want to give you permission to go back to hell in your prayers and steal back from the enemy everything that he's ever stolen from you so that your family can be fixed. Somebody say amen. The reason why you can't find it, Nikki, is because the enemy has it. Nehemiah understands this. Now Nehemiah makes a trek from where he's at to Jerusalem with the king's money and the king's resources. But when he gets to Jerusalem, it doesn't matter how much money he has and how much resources he has, the level of confusion amongst the people can't be fixed by money. That's why 4,000 more square feet is not going to fix your family. <laughs> the Birkin, it's not going to fix your family. Money will make you happy. That's the biggest lie in the world. Money's never bought happiness. You've never been somewhere where they take a lobster out of the water, grill it, put butter on that thing, and serve it to you. That's money, and I was definitely happy. But it won't be sustained because you can't do that always. So what we can do in our families and in our lives is create this fantasy in our head that what we're dealing with isn't that bad. So now we look schizophrenic trying to make what is actually cancer look like the hiccups. <laughs> Man, I should have got some sleep last night because I'm all the way open. The best thing that you can do for your life is not try to live like your mother. The best thing that you can do for your life is get the dream that God gave your mother and take care of her at the same time while she's living. Parents should not have to be honored at the funeral. They should be able to be honored while they still got their knees, their backs, their elbows. So, so what am I trying to say? This is what Pastor Josh was trying to say. The walls in your family must be rebuilt. They have to be rebuilt. You shouldn't date until you look at the wall and see what's missing. Some of the reasons why we mess up in dating is because that stone about doing it correctly has been torn away. Let me get back to the word. I'm sorry. Somebody say, teach the word. Write this down, please. Fractures, fallouts, and frustrations abide in every family. There is not one family that you see that doesn't have many micro tears in it. I'm so sorry. Y'all went crazy with this. I, I love y'all. That's so dope. Our church is growing, man. Thank you guys so much. This team, with no communication, great job. That's so... Look how dope that is. No matter where I go, they fall. That's so, that's so cool. <laughs> Fractures, fallouts, frustrations, 
They're not in some families. They're in all families. Some of us are good at hiding them. Some of us are good at fixing them. And some of us are good at acting like they don't exist. I feel the presence of God. And we would rather fake it for a photo than sit down, as my mama would say, with our rusty, dusty selves and pick apart the parts. You're mean. When you're mean, it makes me feel this way. Hey, I want to get a divorce, but not because I don't love you, but because it's hard to love you right now. And many of you are like, I don't know if I can talk to them like that. We got a huge problem. Mom and dad, you're really hard on us to do things that we're not really interested in. I don't want to be a basketball player. I want to be a, a biomechanic. Well, you know there's no money in biomechanics. Like, let's, let's talk about that. Why is that your first response when I tell you about what I'm really interested in? And then we begin to destroy our kids. There's no money in movies. There's no money in this. There's no money in that. And now your child can begin to do certain things, not because they like it, but because they feel like they have to make money. And you want to know how I know? Because every single person in here was a child at some point. Every single one. There are some people here in the room, you have forfeited what God has called you to do. Too deep, Joshua. Too deep. Back up. No, get in there. You forfeited what God has wanted you to do, to do what other people was okay, and you've never had happiness. But guess what? You can make the switch at 65. And the word of God is so cold. The word of God says that he'll restore all the joy, the passion, and the time. Because fractures are in every family. But it's not God's responsibility to fix it. So your prayer life has to change. God, come and fix it. God will never come to rebuild walls that have been torn down. Ah, I'm sorry. Too many sound bites. Y'all missed it. God is not going to come to your dating relationship and fix the sex problem. Well, if we pray hard enough, we'll stop sleeping together before. No, no, that's not how God works. God does not build up barriers that he put there the first time because he'll never break down a barrier. God will never destroy his word or what he has in the Bible to make you feel better. So what those Ten Commandments are, yeah, you murder somebody. Yes, God will forgive you, but that's still a capital punishment. Like, you deserve to die. So us as people have to realize, look at your neighbor and say, you got some tears. No, look at your neighbor and say, you got some fractures. You got some areas in your life that are broken. Look at your neighbor and point at them and say, fix it. Stop praying about it. Stop asking your girlfriend to go to coffee so you can talk about how bad it is. No, no, no. On a side note, stop telling people your business that don't have the materials to rebuild the walls that were broken. You will never find me talking to my unmarried friends about my wife. Why? Because you don't have the materials that I need to build this part in my life. We're building over here with brick and mortar, not chewing gum and, and tape. Like, I, don't, I, I can't do that. Look at your neighbor and say, know your materials. So there are four basic, basic functions for every family. And you guys know me. I love alliteration. If I, you give me a word, I can teach a whole sermon just with Fs. Don't, don't play me. I will do it. There are four basic functions for family. And this sermon is going to be the foundation for us to move forward. Number one is fun. Number two is function. Number three is finance. Number four is fight. Fun is how you enjoy one another. How many situations in your house would be dead if y'all could actually play Uno together and it didn't feel forced? Ooh, Jesus, it's quiet. 
How much fun do you have with your family? How much stuff do you have to work through to get your people to smile? Like what, how much, like how much peanut butter you got to pry through before you get to people's hearts? Because what I found out in our family is that a lot of the times the reasons why people are hard towards me is because of what I did to them. And the easiest way to shorten the distance in between you and people is this four-letter curse word that the church don't like. It's called forgive and apologize. Pastor Joshua, you don't know how my house is set up. Yes, I do, because I got a family too. We're not all perfect. Look at your neighbor and say, hmm. Now, don't look at them, because I don't want to know who. The second is function. Function is how you work together. Finance is how you support each other. It's not so much a money thing, but it's the concept of what money does. What does money do? It gets up underneath whatever you're trying to make happen, and it gives it a stable place. How many of you, your life would be changed if I gave you $10 today? Nobody's hands went up. Why? Because $10 is insignificant, depending on where you're coming from. Where we were at this last week, $2 would have been support. I want you to stay with me. Now, how many of you, $1,000 would change your life situation right now? Okay, watch this. How many of you, if I gave you $1,000, it might as well be tissue paper because the problems that you're walking at, $1,000 ain't going to do it, Pastor. Okay, how many of you, if I gave you a million dollars, it would take care of everything in your life? Hey, glory. We need a praise break right there. Hey, no taxes either. Hey, God. Hey. Okay. How many of you here in this room, God actually gave you a $10 million dream, so a million dollars really wouldn't do it? There are levels to finance. What the enemy will do, this is going to set somebody free. Ten people about to run if this really hits you. He'll make you feel jealous of a person's $10 million dream when he gave you a $10,000 vision. And you'll think that the $10 million dream is greedy. But what God has for you, guess what? It's for you. Somebody say finance. Last is fight. Fun, how you enjoy one another. Function, how you work together. Finance, how you support each other and fight. How do you defend each other? You want to know what tells me everything about a family? Not how you love each other. Not how you play with one another. When somebody in your family is wrong, do you have the guts to defend them? Ah. When the court system says something, and Twitter says something, and social media says something, and Sister Nosy on the back, and they're always in the back left part. I'm not talking to you, but she was like, yeah, you sweating. No, I'm just kidding. Sister so-and-so was talking about your marriage. Do you got that dog on the inside of you to kill whoever's talking about your people? Then go privately and be like, there's no way you did this. Or do, some of us, we just throw our family out. I heard such and such about you. Well, girl, you know, it's tough in our house right now, and you know, I don't know how he did it or why he did it, but just pray our strength in the Lord. You know what kind of family I got? Hey, we heard something about Josh. That's my, that's my people. Sorry. I, I, I had to give you a, visual, a visualization. I had to give you. Hey, we heard Callie. Hey, Callie, real quick. Did you murder? You did do it? This is the type of person you need. Can I paint this picture in red for you? Hey, because Marty, I know you the type. You need somebody like this in your family. Hey, so uh, we're about to go do something terrible. It's illegal. I 
can't tell you, we can't talk about it before we go. We can't talk about it after we go. But once we go, you can't say that you were with me. This is the type of response you need in your family. Whose car are we taking? You need some people in your family that will be willing to hide the body, even if you're guilty. You need some people in your family that will be ready and ready to go to fight a war, not even knowing if you're guilty or not. Because what they believe is what you believe in. When we begin to throw our families out to dry, nobody will trust it. There is some stuff you need to duke it out at the crib, not in front of people. Because the people are just trying to see how broken your family is to feel better about theirs. Every person that comes to ask you about your marriage isn't really hopeful that it makes it to year 15. They're trying to figure out how terrible it is so they can go back to the crib and be like, did you see that? Josh and Vanessa are super broken. So now your level of vulnerability is actually letting them feel better about their functionality. Somebody say, help me. If you can't say amen, say ouch. Can you have fun together? Can you function together? Can you finance each other? That's great. But the question is, look at your neighbor. And if it's your family, look at your neighbor, grab their hand and say, will you defend me? Or the minute I'm guilty, do you throw me away? This is why I love watching documentaries. Because the person could be a cold-hearted murderer, serial killer, done the most dastardly, disturbing things in the world. But it does something to me when their parents stand with them. Pastor Joshua, that's kind of, no, we say it all the time. Grace is for the person that loves God and for the person that's a murderer. So we can't flip-flop when we start seeing certain things. And you can't turn off your Christian brain when you're watching Netflix. Don't do that. They stand with their family members and they'll say, I know that he did all these bad things, but he's still my son. You want to know who else said that? Jesus. (laughs) Because the Bible doesn't make a difference between a murderer that kills people with an axe and we murdering people with our tongues. Look at your neighbor say, it's the same grace. If this is good, clap once. Nehemiah 4 and 4. Nehemiah has been now (laughs) with these people. He's been trying to get them excited about building, but they're afraid of this man named Sambalat. Remember the guy before that was saying, if a fox touches the wall, it'll break down. But this is the thing. Nehemiah doesn't go and try to kill Sambalat. He prays. Because retaliation is the worst response to resistance. You getting your lick back is like the worst thing that you could ever do, even if it's justified. Then I prayed, hear us, our God, for we are being what? Mocked. May their scoffing fall back where? On their own heads. You got to be okay with people not being okay with you being okay. I'm going to say that in reverse. It's your, so you got to be what? Okay with people thinking that you're not okay. You got to be okay with that. But then you got to be okay enough to pray for them. Because religion has taught you when people treat you bad to abandon them. That's not in the Bible. How Nehemiah begins to fight Symbolic is that he begins to pray for him. He says, God, my job is not to fight him, but what I want you to do is that you would take whatever he is doing and you make it fall back where? On his head. And made themselves become captive in a foreign land. Do not ignore their guilt. Do not blot out their sins, for they have provoked who? You to anger here in front of the builders. Whenever you start to build something, opposition is going to come. 
And a very high percentage of that opposition is going to be within your core. The people that you love. Ah, reel it back. The people that say they love you. The people that say they care and they appreciate. But a lot of people, Miss Denise, are trying to be close enough so that they can see how terrible it is. Isn't it interesting how much better we feel as humans when we see things not working out for others? I'd rather have a hangnail for the rest of my life than to be okay watching somebody else struggle and get energy from it. And if you have that spirit, shame on you. Because you know you got it. You go home with it. You sleep with it. It's the reason why you ain't got no friends. It's the reason why you get sad when Thanksgiving and Christmas comes because nobody wants to invite you. Why? Because you're evil. But you can fix it. Look at your neighbor and say, fix it. There's a sister in the back. I'm not going to tell you which section. She was like, <laughs> fix it. <laughs> Retaliation is the worst response. The energy that it would take for Nehemiah to lash out would have taken away from the energy he needed to build. And for many of us in our families, you're tired because you're using your energy fighting and not building. This is the best sermon I've ever taught for two reasons. I really feel people's spirits beginning to get broken today. I really feel that people's lives, like it's, it's, it's not about the response. It's about the response on the inside of you. We don't teach messages for you to say amen because what I'm teaching, I have to practice it, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, so I really feel that there are some people in the room, like you're sitting up a little bit taller in your chair because you might be hearing the kingdom message for the first time when it comes to family. Thank you, Holy Spirit. That was probably just for me and you. Nehemiah is now frustrated because the people that he came to help are worried about fighting a battle that's not theirs when their first responsibility is to fix the, is to fix the wall. Your initial response to life and the attacks on your family should be two things, prayer and continue building. <laughs> I want to pop your religious bubble when they said, I'm in the army of the Lord. No, you're not. God does not need you when he has Michael. <laughs> he doesn't need you when he has Gabriel. Like, but if Adam and Eve couldn't get past him to get back into Eden, what is he going to do with you and your pitchfork? I'm going to get him, God. No, like, sit down. Like, I have, I have legions of angels. Like, I don't need you to fight. So we have people that are calloused, hard, and scabbed over. And don't know how to love people because we've been fighting our entire lives. And now love feels uncomfortable. We don't know how to have a hug because we've been doing this our entire lives. All my life I had to fight. And it's just like that's not a, that's not a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? That's not like a kudos to you. Hey, sis, did you know that maybe the issue isn't that you're angry? It's just that he doesn't trust that you're going to allow him to defend you because you're like this every time he sees you. That maybe one of the quickest ways to get married isn't to be independent woman. Oh. It might not be this. It might be, you know what? I actually need somebody to protect me. Because the right man will let you be a bulldog out in public. But in private, hey, sis, you can't do that. I'm going to let them think that you're the one that runs the house, but don't forget. I got these pants on. <laughs> Nehemiah 4.6. At last the wall was completed to how, to how high? Half its height around the entire city. For why? The people had worked with enthusiasm. It's about time you get excited about what you're building. 
You want to know what makes church so much fun? It's when families are excited about the small things in their lives. I remember being a little boy in this church, and I remember when um, families would say to, my, to our, our pastors, they'd be like, ooh, pastor, we saved $1,000 this week. And the church would go nuts because nobody was jealous of how much. Because $1,000, as we saw before, is a lot for some people. But it's chicken scratch to others. But we made it mean something to us because it meant something to them. How would our church be if we felt comfortable sharing with people where we were at and didn't feel like they were going to poo-poo on our dream because it's smaller than theirs? Or people wouldn't be jealous of our dream because it was greater than them. You want to know what the result would be? We would have more seasoned marriages with more unseasoned marriages in their houses on the weekends. We would have more young people that come to counseling without a date. This is what it does when you come to premarital counseling with a date. You're telling your counselor, regardless of what happens in these next eight sessions, we're getting married. What if in session four you realize you're not actually supposed to get married right now? Are you going to link up your life to a date because it's four weeks away? Maybe what you need to deal with is four years of like some counseling for real, for real. Actually being submitted to a man or woman of God that will tell you when you'll draw a snake. Bro, put on some deodorant. Brush your teeth. Pick the cotton out of your ears. Like, what is going on? You got blackheads in your ear, bro. She doesn't find me attractive. Take a bath. So what we do is we begin to submit our lives to people because we want what they have, but we don't want to do what they took to get it. If you can't say amen, say ouch. <laughs> Anybody in the room excited about what God is building in your life? Is anybody in the room, can you look at the rubble and actually get excited? Because that's what faith is. When you can look at the stuff that doesn't work and get excited, like, ooh, can you see the wall? It's a, it's a bunch of burnt pieces of wood. Yeah, but can you see it? Because every family has one of those. And if you have that person in your family, don't snuff out their light. Because you're going to need them to help you see what you don't see. Everybody has a person in their family who has their head in the cloud. Don't bring them down. That's their job. That's their anointing. If you're literal, I don't want you to have your heads in the clouds. And if your head's in the cloud, trust, you don't want me to be literal. That's what she's here for. I'm supposed to be the creative one. How many people do we have that lost their creativity because the family beat it out of them? My job is to come up with stuff that's not possible. That's what makes Joshua who he is. So I married a woman that allowed me to be creative, but I allow her to be the one that makes sure our money's in order. Because I have a million dollar ideas 10, 15,000 times a day. But our budget ain't that. So what does she do? Baby, that's so sweet. But it's not going to work out today. How could she destroy my dream? If I come to her with my dreams and she tells me how they're impossible. The dreamer already knows that the dreams are impossible because they came from God. The, oh, my God. Why am I stuck here? Why, why am I stuck? The worst thing that, that a woman can do, and I'm going to talk about my, my marriage. The worst thing that could happen, it's never happened because we talked about this, is when I bring you a dream, I don't need you to throw it away. I just need to be comfortable dreaming with you. The minute I bring something to you impossible and she becomes a hard place, you know that will never happen. Job, why don't you just curse the Lord and die? Once you do that, it destroys the God-given gift on the inside of me. And then I got a question. Did I marry the right person? So if you're a dreamer, raise your hand. You have this ability. I, I don't care about logic. I'm going to go to the moon tomorrow. Matter of fact, I'm going to go to the moon last week. 
That's not possible. Stop telling me what's possible. Okay? How many of you in the room, you're logistic? Like, you understand numbers, and you understand, like, you love spreadsheets. You think that you're anointed in Excel, like, whatever that means, right? Like, you have, we're going to be on, on 680 by 680. Daddy, there's no 680. We're going to be on 680 by 680. <laughs> Both of you are important. But if the enemy can make you believe that one is more important than the other, you'll start picking apart your walls. Let me get back to the word. But when Sam Bollett and Tobiah and the Arabs, the Ammonites, the Ashadites, Jebusites, Termites, all of them, heard that the work was going ahead and that the gaps in the wall of Jerusalem were being repaired. Remember, the only way those gaps could have been filled is that Nehemiah had to get the original stones and the original wood from the king that he was serving. Sambalat wasn't frustrated with them building the wall because without those pieces, it was incomplete. Ain't nobody frustrated with your family taking cute pictures at Walgreens if you still don't know how to forgive. Okay? Do you understand what I'm saying? So a lot of us have walls that are built, but they're incomplete. Thank you, Holy Spirit, because that's even for me. It's cool to the people on the outside, but then people would not put themselves up on a cross and die for your one sin. So I have a question for you. I want everybody to fold your arms like this. Like, I'm, like for real, don't, like, I want you to ask, your pe- ask yourself a question. I ask, like, ask yourself, say, self, why does it matter what they think anyway? No, have a conversation with yourself. Let's be spiritually schizophrenic. Joshua, I don't know. I don't know why it's so important. I don't know why, like, I try to keep up with the Joneses. Like, he makes more money than me. Maybe it's not the money. Is there actually insecurity on the inside of you? And the minute you call it out, the enemy goes, oh, 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 oh. he just figured out where the gap is. The enemy's not okay with you having fake success. He's okay with you buying the house. He's okay with you, like, having the kids and all that other stuff. But, like, if you never deal with, like, the underlining issue, he's okay with you taking Tylenol for cancer. He's okay. You got this big thing on the inside of you. I'm okay. If you take a Robitussin, I don't really care. That's not going to fix it, right? Like, because the God that we serve is not Robitussin. He'll take cancer and tell it to go back to hell where it came from. Like, so you got to start learning how to not look at the stuff that's glitzy and glamorous, but you got to look at what is the real issue in our family? What is this problem? Because here's the thing. Everybody knows. There is nobody in your family that doesn't know that the family has a hard time being honest. Everybody knows that Aunt Anne is a crack addict. We know it. Please don't laugh. We know that man-man is addicted to marijuana, and what's cute at 12 is going to get him locked up at 30. So instead of talking to this young man at the family reunion, we just don't invite him. Do you know what that does to his soul? Do you know what happens? We know you're struggling in your marriage. You want to know why? Because the spark isn't there anymore. What would happen if we were just honest? It's really hard for us to be married right now, but we're looking for help. You know what that does? It takes the head of the enemy and it crushes it. Because what it tells the enemy is, is I'm not afraid to share with God what he already knows about me. He just wants you to be honest with him. Pastor, I'm, 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 I'm frustrated with my sexual orientation. That's fine. Because the cure to your sexual orientation is not, not, not being a heterosexual. It's relationship with Christ. Because when Christ changes your heart, all the stuff that you struggle to change becomes easy. Like I'm trying to, trying to help you. You want to stop being addicted to some stuff? You don't have to go through like a counselor. Get a relationship with Jesus. 
Get connected to the kingdom because the kingdom provides freedom. And this is the coolest thing about freedom. You cannot be free and addicted at the same time. What the kingdom does is it fights the battles in your life that you can't. Like, that's what it does. And it might seem like I'm begging you to believe it, but listen, our church has stood here for 28 years, 27 years. Pastor Martin says it gets older every time we say this. But our church has been standing here for 47 years. Begging you, pleading with you to fix your family. How selfish are we that we would rather be dead and abandon the issues and leave our families on earth dealing with stuff that they can't even get closure. They can't stand going to funerals. Because people, and people think it's just, the, everybody thinks that black families are hysterical at funerals. No, every ethnicity. Because you want to know what makes somebody go crazy at a funeral? Never being able to communicate with the person what they really felt. There ain't an altar call in the world that can fix that pain of the I'm sorry's you never got. So this Thanksgiving and Christmas, AWC, I demand, zoom in, I demand that you have the conversation. Granny wasn't saved her entire life. She's 70. There were 20 of them years. She was a wild girl. Granny, tell me what happened. You say that you got faith, but what were you doing before? You might find out that your grandmama was making illegal uh, tobacco. You never know. She might have been selling hooch. She might have had a juke joint. You never know. Because then what it does is it creates understanding. That, because I don't know about you, but like the older folks in my life growing up, I used to think that being on their level of spirituality was impossible. Because they would never tell me how they got there. Granny just been saved since you've been saved. So you came out the womb saved? No. You were born in the 70s. There was some wild stuff going on in the 70s. Like, so you haven't known the Lord your entire life, but here's the thing. The Lord knew you. Before you were even a thought in your mother's womb, before you, even, um, um, before you were there in your mama's stomach, before you were thought in your father's mind, like, like, like he knew you. And I think the biggest thing that God wants for each and every one of us is to stop walking over the rubble. Like, look at how much, look at all, you know how much energy it takes to walk over the brokenness in your life? Like, and you look stupid doing it. Pastor Joshua, that's a harsh word. Okay, Joshua looks stupid doing it. Oh, you ain't never, you will never hear anything about me that don't sound like me because I'm a, like, you're just going to know. Like, how dumb, how, how dumb, there's nothing here. But in my mind, it's all the stuff that I haven't been able to break. Nehemiah begins to get the people excited about building the wall because for many of them, they got overwhelmed because they thought that they were responsible to build the whole wall. But what Nehemiah told them is, you're only responsible for building the section of the wall outside of your house. That's how the kingdom works. If you take care of your family, it'll give me strength to take care of mine. Because if we're a community, and this whole side of the community has all their walls built out in front of their houses, and all of y'all have all your walls built up inside of your houses, do you know that they can still destroy the entire city if I don't do my part? So the kingdom is not about black or white, green or yellow. Like our church looks how it does on purpose. Why? Because in order for the world to be saved, there are some white people that deserve to know about Jesus. And guess what? Some of them have swastika tattoos on their chest. Oh, you don't want to hear that, do you? 
Oh, so we want to throw the racists away, but we don't believe that God's grace is good enough to save them. Wow, that's not the kingdom. The kingdom of God says that Jesus came to earth to die for every single man that would agree with him and receive him. So what does that mean, Pastor Joshua? That means that every single person that the church has been okay with throwing away, we need them to build their walls back up. They're Democrats. They're Republicans. They, they, like if they saw me, they would be like, eh, I don't know if I, how I feel about him. But guess what? If we're going to save the world, we got to save the world. Like, I know that might be too elementary for y'all, maybe for some of y'all in the room, but like, if we want to save the world, we actually got to save it. If we want to heal people, we can't heal people by throwing some of them away because we think that some of them are better than others. So this is the founding scripture for the sermon series. I want you to write this down. Please write this down. Please write this down. Man, can I give this to y'all? Are y'all sure? You sure? Okay. Verse 12. The Jews who lived near the enemy came and told us again and again, they will come from all directions and attack us. So I placed armed guards behind the lower parts of the wall in the exposed areas. I stationed the people to stand guard by what? Families. Now, that's crazy. Why wouldn't you send out the military? Because Nehemiah realized that a structured family is more important than any gun will ever be. I'm really trying to make this as plain as possible. What the earth needs is not more Marines. We need more dads at home. The military would be unnecessary if we had the right people in power. Because one person's decision will send an entire generation to a meaningless war. Many of us in the church, we don't think that spanking really works. And we'll call CPS. But spanking saved my life. Because spankings was the harshest punishment I've ever received. I didn't have to be thrown on the hood of a cop car. I didn't have to be shot. I didn't have to stick something in my arm. Like the, the, the highest level of pain besides that moment when I dislocated my hip. That boy hurt. My coach was like, yeah, what's over there? I was like, ha, 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 ha. It, just, it hurt. But spankings are supposed to hurt. But they're supposed to put fear in you to be afraid of a bullet. Y'all don't want to hear that. I'm never going to spank my... Put them in timeout as much as you want if that works in your house. But the reason why there's discipline in the house is so that the highest level of pain that your child ever receives is from you. Not from somebody that will never love them. Not from somebody that wants to take them out. It's so interesting. We talk about this guy named Takeoff who's a part of the Migos, right? It's so interesting hearing Christians talk about worldly issues because the minute we start talking about worldly issues, we become unchristian. Because this guy named Titus that says that if you're going to preach the gospel, it should be done in love. So whenever we say, well, Takeoff deserved it because all of his lyrics were dirty. Wow. So you don't serve the same God that I do. Because that young man, regardless of what he said in his music, was still a son of God, even if he didn't know. And what you're saying on social media, what if his mama were to see that? Show on the other foot. What if it was your baby? And you heard somebody talking about how justified that your baby's out there. Well, you used to sell drugs. Look at your neighbor and say, that's my baby, though. That's my, that's my, that's how God feels when he looks at your life being ran rampant. Because what will fix the enemy coming in like a flood 
is you rebuilding your walls. Look at your neighbor and say, build your walls. Build your walls. Praise God. Oh, praise God. It's time to lay your hands on the rubble. This sermon series and this season of our lives, AWC, you're going to have to put your hands on the stuff that's yucky. You will not survive this next year if you don't fix it before you leave this year. I'm not super prophetic, but that's a word from the Lord. The yucky stuff, the stuff that's burnt in your life, the divorce that nobody wants to talk about, the stuff that's happening, like you got to talk about it before this, this year is out. Because remember, this year our word is postured, which means that we're going to stay right here. But in our next year, I feel an itch in my big right toe that it's actually going to be a word about movement. But God's not going to move nobody if you still got stuff in this last year that you haven't fixed. Somebody say, put your hands on it. Pastor Joshua, what does that mean? Talk about it. It's going to be uncomfortable. Think about it, parents. Create an agenda. We're going to talk about these three things. Underneath these three things, we got three subpoints. Underneath these three subpoints, we got three scriptures. And then send it to the family. And if people don't show up, don't hate them. Understand it. Because for many of you in this room, it'll be the first time you've ever had a real talk with your people before. That's okay. But look at your neighbor and say, it's got to start somewhere. Then as I looked over the situation, I called together the nobles and the rest of the people. And I said to them, don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. This is the close. Nehemiah realized that the two things that these families got to do is they got to rebuild this wall and they have to defend themselves. But you only have how many hands? Two. So Nehemiah instructed the people to build the walls with their right hand, but to keep a sickle or a spear or something in their left. So as they're building the wall, they're also able to attack. I wish I had my props, but we were late. I have them at the house. I wish I, I have a sickle and I had like a hammer. But for many of us, we're not worried about rebuilding our lives and fighting our enemies because we're dealing with other things and our hands are occupied. I want you to think about this. Close your eyes. What are the two things that are in your family's hand right now? If it's not rebuilding and if it's not defending them, what's there? Is there something that's been going on in your family for the past three, four, five years that now it has your hand full and now you can't fight against what God has, I'm sorry, what the enemy has coming against you? The other question is, on the other hand, what, what, else, is, what else is in this other hand? Because what we're going to do in these next couple of weeks, everyone, you can open your eyes, is we're going to replace the courage to build your life in one of them. And we're going to give you some tools. And hopefully you can find some tools that's like a sickle in one hand, that when the enemy comes at you, you don't have to choose between building and fighting him. Look at your neighbor and say, I can do both. <laughs> I can build my life and cast out demons at the same time. Like, I don't have to cast out demons and forfeit for my family. I can do both. And now what's going to happen is, is that Nehemiah and these people are going to do what was supposed to be done in 100 years. They do it in 57 days. They literally build a wall around Omaha in 52 days. Why? Because you're not responsible for my wall. Who's responsible for my wall? So who's responsible for building your family? You and your family. I want to pray for you. 
And what I'm praying for is that out of this series, we get engagement letters that people have gotten engaged. I, I pray that out of this series, people get pregnant and like, we thought there was one, but there's six, Pastor. No, man, fruitfulness, man. I pray that out of here, out of the sermon series, some of you are going to find letters with ridiculous amounts of money in it, with signs of just watching you or I love how you work. I pray that scholarships are going to come to your babies and they're in middle school. Like, because when you fix your family, the floodgates open for God to bless you. Blessing comes when you take care of what God gave you. And what's the biggest gift that God gave you? Everybody say family. Family. 